Everybody ready to hear the message? Man, I'm ready to preach this message. I went down with a couple of folks yesterday to Massachusetts to a fundraiser for Johnny and Friends, a ministry that we partner with. And as we were driving down, I just was like, I cannot wait to preach this message tomorrow. Because here's what we've been talking about, right? We've been talking and we've been trying to, as the writer of Hebrews says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter and the founder of our faith. And that's what we've been talking about, right? This I Am series. We've been looking at Jesus and the I Am statements. And we've been saying, this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus is about. This is what Jesus came for. And one of the interesting things, one of maybe the most interesting things I've found as I've been researching for this uh, series is this. And, 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 I, and I hope you find it as interesting and cool and beautiful as I did. One of the things I noticed about a shepherd in, 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 in this time and a shepherd in general is that if a sheep was going astray, guess what it would do? If you were in first service, don't cheat. A shepherd would break the leg of a sheep. A shepherd would break the legs of the sheep. Now, we can do it one, one time, uh, all, all together now, one, two, three, aww. Um, but, but here's the beauty of it, right? Here's the beauty of it, is that if a sheep was going astray, then the shepherd would literally break the legs of the sheep, put it on its shoulders, put it on, its, on his shoulders, carry it around, and then when the sheep was healed, uh, until the, the, the sheep's legs were healed, then for the rest of the sheep's life, it would stay right next to the shepherd. For the rest of that sheep's life, it would stay right next to the shepherd. Now, that has some implications, doesn't it? I mean, think about that in a spiritual context, right? And, and the reality for some of us here this morning, let's just own that for a minute. Some of us, needs our le- some of us need our legs broken. Now, don't, don't elbow the person next to you. Don't nod and do that L-shaped amen, okay? That's not, that's not the point. But some of us in the room this morning, right, we've gone astray. We're wandering off. We're not sticking as close to the shepherd as we ought to. And as I saw this, this week in some notes, I was like, okay, God, don't break my legs, right? Like, don't, don't break my legs. I'm going to stay close to you. I like my legs. Don't break my legs. I'm going to stay as close to you as I know how to stay. But if you think about it, that's not a bad way to approach this idea of Jesus being the good shepherd that we see in John chapter 10. In fact, even in Psalm chapter 23, the the 23rd Psalm, he writes, he leads us to green pastures. He lays us down in those green pastures, right? Here's the beauty of the good shepherd. He will break our legs. He will break our legs. Somebody came, into, came to me in between services and said, yep, God's broken my son's back twice, and he still hasn't got his attention. I was like, wow, that's not really where I was going this morning. But when I shared this with Bria this morning, because I've just been so fascinated by this, and I said, Jesus will break our legs. She looked at me like, I'm not sure about this. I said, metaphorically speaking. And she was like, oh, okay. Listen. Here's the beauty of it. The Lord loves you enough to just break your leg if you keep wandering away into danger. I mean, I wish I'd have known this back in the summer. We made a decision, my brother-in-law and I, Mike and I, we we decided to take our wives and a few of our kids to hike Mount Washington. 
And the beauty of Mount Washington, if, for those of you that have hiked it, you can hike up Mount Washington, but you don't have to hike back down. You can um, take out a second mortgage and, and ride the shuttle um, down, which is, which is super helpful when you've got kids and, and, and other people that don't necessarily like to hike um, to go with you. And we decided... Well, I guess we didn't really decide, but Mike decided he wanted to bring Ben, my nephew, um, his son that was going, that's now in kindergarten, so that just tells you how old he is. And, uh, and, and Ben, on this mountain, on the way up of this, what, four and a half mile hike, I think it is, Mount Washington, Ben was just running from side to side, trail to trail, rock to rock, rock to rock. And, and like Kristen and I, and I think Mike and Cindy to an extent, all four of us, would just panic at times because Ben didn't realize the danger that he was getting himself in every time he'd climb a rock or go to the edge of a cliff or anything like that. And if I'd have known this, then I'd have broken his leg and thrown him over my shoulder and carried him up the mountain and figured it out later, right? Because he just didn't, he just didn't recognize, sorry, Cindy's in the service this time. She wasn't in the first service, so the illustration worked a lot better. Now I have to keep looking over at her like, I'm not really going to break your son's leg, maybe. Anyway, but the beauty of it, if you think about the shepherd, from the shepherd's perspective, right, is that if we keep wandering into danger, wandering into danger, keep wandering into danger, the shepherd would break the sheep's leg. And then, and I love this part, throw that sheep over his shoulders until it healed, and then when he would put the sheep back down, that thing wouldn't move. It would stay. Now, we talked about it last week. A couple more things before we dive into the text. John chapter 10, if, you, if you're not there, we'll, we'll, you can follow along on the screen. We talked about last week, and, and, and I mentioned that I've been, I've been guilty of this as well, that when I think, whenever I see sheep and shepherd, I'm tempted to think that, that, that the, the stupidity of the sheep, right? And so some of you, some of you come in here, and, and maybe you don't have a church background, right? And you don't have to raise your hand. We don't, we don't want to embarrass you or anything. But you've probably got a leg up on the rest of us that do have a church background in some ways, in many ways. But, but in the church, if you've grown up in a church background, you've probably heard preachers, you've probably heard pastors, you've probably heard teachers in Sunday school class and different things like that talk about how dumb sheep are. And, and I actually had somebody come, into, come, come up to me between services and say this, do you think that God might have actually just created sheep in their stupidity because he knew that God would... He knew that he would at some point have to find a creature or an animal to relate us as Christians to. And I thought, wow, that's a little dark. But maybe, I mean, maybe. And so, and so many times we've heard, and I, and I know I talked about this last week, but if you weren't here or if you, if you missed it or, or at some point, but, but here's, here's the reality of that as we push into this. The reality is that not the, the focus on the stupidity of the sheep, but the goodness of the shepherd. And I mean, we could do that. I mean, and, and we're, we're going to do that a little bit because I think we have to stay true to the text a little bit. We're going to look at some of the stupidity of the sheep. But the focus of the passage is that Jesus over and over again says, I am a good shepherd. I don't disagree with the stupidity of the sheep, but I would rather stay closely tethered to the text and talk about the good shepherd. Talk about the good shepherd. Without a shepherd, sheep get themselves 
in a world of hurt. Sheep get themselves in a world of hurt. Um, sheep really are dumb animals. I don't own any. Does anybody own a sheep? I saw some Thursday. We went to the Freiburg Fair. Um, they were tied up. That was fun. I had a fried Reese's cup. That was unbelievable. Anyway, that was free. Um, not the Reese's cup, the information. Um, I don't own any sheep, and so I don't know this firsthand, but here's what's true about the sheep. If, if you put sheep in a pasture and you just let them graze, they would eat all the grass that was right around them, but they would not leave that area. Even though there's grass for miles and pasture everywhere, they would just eat what was right around them, and, and they wouldn't leave that area. They're too dumb to leave. And here's the truth of it, though, and focusing back on the shepherd, they need someone to lead them. Sheep need someone to lead them. So let's look, John chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 11. I am the good shepherd, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and, leave, and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I want you to underline star cares nothing because to be a shepherd, you got to care. You got to care for your sheep. And Jesus, being the good shepherd, he cares for his sheep. I heard a pastor um, tell a bunch of other pastors one time if you're going to be a shepherd, you got to smell like your sheep, right? You've got to care. You've got to be in the trenches. You got to care for your sheep. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also that they will listen to my voice. And they get this, so there will be one flock. Everybody say one flock. One shepherd. You get bonus points. I want you to see something. He is the good shepherd. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about unity among the sheep. Isn't that awesome? I mean, let's think about that for just a second. Because what he's saying here, the good shepherd speaking, what unites us, the good shepherd, is way stronger and way bigger than anything that could divide us. Let that marinate for just a moment this morning. Isn't that amazing? He's saying, I'm the good shepherd. One flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. We could spend all week talking about those two verses right there. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Now, I've been marinating on, on this passage for a while, a long time. I even mentioned last Sunday that I thought about combining I am the door and I am the good shepherd, and then I'm, I'm really glad we didn't because I thought last Sunday just turned out awesome, and I think this Sunday as well. But I've, I've had some extra time to just kind of marinate this. And so, so, so we, we, I know the tendency. I know the temptation here because this is a heavy passage. And I read this text as your pastor, as your quote-unquote shepherd of summit, and I see so many ways that we could just look at, 
at me as shepherd and look at other shepherds and say, man, they're just not measuring up. But let me, let me just say something really quickly. This is Jesus. There's no way I could measure up to the good shepherd. And so our, tempta- our need needs to be to focus back on the good shepherd because this is all about Jesus. This, is all about, this text is all about the cross and the gospel of Jesus and the person and the work of Jesus. Not me. Not Mark over at Galilee. Not Eric over at The Rock. Not Scott Tobby over at East Point. Not Pastor Rick who pastored for like 80 years in, in, in Yarmouth. Okay? Not, not any other person. Okay? Not any other person who has had that title of shepherd. But I got to tell you, man, as I read this over the last couple of weeks, the weight that I felt of this thinking, man, if I'm going to emulate Jesus as the good shepherd, That's heavy. But we're not going there. Okay? We're not going there this morning. We are going to focus solely on the Good Shepherd and our response to the Good Shepherd. Is that okay? We can come back later at some point and talk about all the ways that I need to step it up a little bit and be more like Jesus. I don't think anybody, including myself, would disagree with you there. But this is about Jesus. Okay? It's about Jesus. Jesus devoted His whole life to us each day and finally gave it in an act of supreme sacrifice. He laid it down on His own initiative. That is the heart of a shepherd. Four times in this text, four times Scripture says that Jesus laid His life down for the sheep. Such a love of the shepherd. Such a love of the shepherd. Such a love of the shepherd. Verses 11 and 14 both say, I am the good shepherd. Now, if we can go to school for just a minute, if we can kind of enter the classroom for just a minute, because I think this is so good and too good to just gloss over. Verses 11 and 14 both say, I am the good shepherd. I want you to know that here, there are two different Greek words that are translated good in our English dictionary. The first one it's called agates, okay? Agates, which means good morally and intrinsically. So basically, I'm the good shepherd. I am morally good. I'm intrinsically good. I'm a good shepherd. The other one, the second Greek word here for good is kilos. Everybody say kilos. Man, this word is, is awesome, okay? It has more of the meaning of beautiful. And so what Jesus is saying here, as some translators have, 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 have commented, it, it, the two phrases, they, they put them together like this, I am the good shepherd, the beautiful shepherd. Beautiful shepherd. And I don't know about you, but that just, that just hits me so hard, and I think that fits this passage so well. A guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon caught the feeling of this, and he proclaimed this, there is more in Jesus, the good shepherd, than you can pack away in a shepherd. Okay? He's good. He is the good, the great, the chief shepherd, but he is much more. Emblems to set forth may be multiplied as the drops of the morning, but the whole multitude will fail to reflect all his brightness. Get this. Creation is too small a frame in which to hang his likeness. Did you catch that? 
creation. Too small a frame in which to hang His likeness. Human thought is too contracted. Human speech too feeble to set Him forth to the full. Now listen to me, church. This is the Jesus that we get to proclaim. He's altogether lovely. This beautiful Jesus, our shepherd. Why is He so beautiful, you ask? Because of the way He relates to us. Because of the way He calls us by name. Because of the way He knows us. Because of the way He sees our every need. Why is He so beautiful? Because He's the door. And when we go in, we find protection. We find salvation. And when we go out, we find pasture and abundant life. Why is He so beautiful? Because of His heart. Because He laid down His life for His sheep. And He offers us all a place with Him. He's beautiful. This beautiful shepherd that loves us, that cares for us, and even loves us enough at times to break our legs. So, let's get practical. Why are we so likened to sheep? I think there's six reasons that we see all throughout Scripture. And so we're going to throw out a lot of different references here. They're not all going to be on your screen. If you're taking notes, you can jot them down. If you need them, email me later or whatever. I'll send you my whole um, message outline if it serves you, okay? But why are we so likened to sheep? The first reason is that we're stray. That we've gone astray. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All like sheep have gone astray. Luke 15, 4, What man having a hundred sheep, if he lost one, will go after that which was lost? Like sheep, we've gone astray. Number two, we satisfy self first. Amen? We satisfy self first. First, sheep will only eat what is in front of them. They will take care of their own. They will take care of themselves. They will eat what is right in front of them and, 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 and they won't offer. They will just satisfy themselves. You know anybody like that? Don't answer. Don't answer. Um, they will satisfy self. Number three, there's no sense of danger. Right? I already talked about my nephew Ben having no sense of, of, of danger. Um, sheep have no instinct to warn themselves of snakes, wolves, bears, etc. There's no sense of danger in the sheep. And we, in the same way, uh, uh, in financial decisions, in relationship decisions, uh, in, in, in education decisions, career decisions, a lot of times our sense of danger is blurred. Amen? Amen? We didn't even go on Thursday at the Freiburg Fair to where they have the new campers set up. We just didn't do it because I knew the danger. I have learned that when we go over there and we walk through those things and I talk about how amazing they are and try to convince Kristen that these are so amazing and we need one of these campers for the glory of God and for the work of His ministry, that the answer is still going to be no. It's amazing how strong they are. So we just didn't even go there because we knew the danger, right? No sense of danger um, in, in, in the sheep. Number four, defenseless. Defenseless. Like sheep, we are defenseless. Sheep have no weapons to defend themselves. No claws, no teeth, no fangs. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 12, uh, the, the wolf catches them, right? You see it right there in your text. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
And number five, we've got to talk about it. It's there. It's in Scripture. Dumb. Dumb. Wait, Pastor, are you calling me dumb? No, I'm not calling you dumb. The Bible is. Okay? All right? Hear me very clearly. I'm just... I'm just going to the text, okay? Isaiah 53, 7 says this, as a sheep before a shearer is dumb. It's literally there, right there, Isaiah 53, 7. And so like sheep, we are referred to as sheep all throughout Scripture, and one of our most attractive traits is dumb. It's there. But here's the thing. Can we just pause on this for just a second before we keep going? No one's exempt from that. I mean, think about it for just a moment. Oh, almost fell. Think about it for just a moment. Have you ever, for every person in this room, have you ever done something? Have you ever said something? Okay? Have you, have you ever done something and thought to yourself later, that was just dumb okay few of you few of you some some of you are still elbowing that's not the point okay none of us are exempt from this none of us are exempt from this right we ought to we ought to celebrate our dumbness because here's the reality we're all there we're all there and the last one the last one Like sheep, we are a target of the enemy. I mean, if you look earlier, here in John chapter 10, we looked at it last week, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. That sounds like a target, doesn't it? That sounds like an enemy, doesn't it? We are a target of the enemy. Acts 20 verse 29 says this, Grievous wolves shall enter, not sparing the flock. Let me tell you something. The enemy wants nothing more than to get in the way of what God's doing in in, in God's house. We're a target of the enemy. Like sheep, we're a target of the enemy. Now, why is Jesus likened to a shepherd? Because he knows us. Because he knows us. Because he knows us. I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know me. And they, at, at, look at verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Isn't that awesome? He knows us. Number two, he relates to us. John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, we looked at it last week. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He relates to us. Number three, he loves the sheep. Matthew 9, 36, he was moved with compassion on them because they were scattered abroad as having sheep, as sheep having no shepherd. He loves the sheep. He loves the sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. Amen? Amen? Sheep need a shepherd. Hmm. There's a lot of stories I could tell there, but I think, I think, we, should just, I think we need to keep going. Number four, he provides for the sheep. Good John 10.10, we've already read it. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. As we talked about last week, that means the more than. Jesus provides for the sheep in more than style, right? More than abundantly. 
Number five, he sacrifices for the sheep. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, four times he says that. He sacrifices for the sheep. He protects the sheep. Number six. It's a great passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 35. He protects the sheep. But David said to Saul, get this, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. That's nice. The shepherd protects the sheep. Protects the sheep. Protects the sheep. And then lastly, he feeds the sheep. If you go back to Psalm chapter 23 and you think about Psalm chapter 23, David says there, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He feeds us. He feeds us. He feeds the sheep. When Jesus is calling himself the good shepherd... I want you to get this. He's talking about provision. He's talking about care. He's talking about guidance. He is saying when it comes to the enemy, eternally you are secure in me. I will vanquish. I will break the teeth out of the mouth of the wolf. You're mine and I will handle this once and for all. That's amazing when it comes to your security, isn't it? When it comes to him protecting us and providing care and guidance and all of that. There's a pastor down in Texas that says this. His name is Matt Chandler. He was commenting on Jesus being the good shepherd, and he says this. This isn't every little ticky-tacky difficulty in our life. You can tell he's from Texas, right? This isn't every little ticky-tacky difficulty in our life, although I think Christ cares about those things. This text is not a promise. Hear me, church. This text is not a promise that you won't have difficulty, but rather, eternally speaking, you're secure in the Good Shepherd. He goes on to say, this is a text about the Gospel. And what Jesus is saying here is He's saying, I'm going to lay down my life to kill the wolf once and for all. So how does this work? What we see happening is Jesus is going to die on the cross. We've talked about it in the communion this morning, and we've already referred to it a little bit here in the message. Again, I want to make space for us this morning. I want to make space for you to not be a Christian among us this morning, and that be okay. I love that. We all have gone to church for at least a little while as an unbeliever before Jesus opened up our hearts to believe. But let me once again just simply explain the cross if that's okay. Does not deal with it. Jesus lives in perfect obedience to God's will, blameless, spotless, tempted in every way we've been tempted, and yet remained without sin. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. Then Jesus lives that perfect life and dies a sinner's death on a cross. But when he dies on the cross, what the cross is all about is he is absorbing all of God's wrath toward those who would become. Christian, all their sin, past, present, future, is fully absorbed by Jesus so that the Christian now is seen by God through the lenses of the blood of Jesus. Jesus sees us as blameless 
and spotless in His sight. Now, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but that's a miracle in itself. That I could be seen by God the Father who knows me better than anyone as spotless and blameless. I don't know about you, but I think every single one of us ought to have a deep sense of gratitude towards God the Father and Jesus the Son for that. Amen? That we can be seen by God the Father as blameless and spotless. That's beautiful. We don't need any other reason to look at Jesus and say He's good. He's the good shepherd. He's beautiful. Then that right there, the miracle that you and I can stand before God the Father and He look at us and see us as blameless and spotless because of the work of His Son on the cross. That's the Gospel. And that's what this text is all about. The good shepherd that protects us, that bought us, that cares for us, that feeds us. It's a marvelous truth. And I don't know about you, but at times, many times, too marvelous really to wrap our minds around that when God sees us, He sees us as blameless. Immediately I think of Isaiah 55 where his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth are his thoughts than our thoughts. When I think about him being able to look at me as blameless and spotless. It's stunning. That's crazy. Doesn't make a lot of sense. In fact, if you look at the, the religious leaders of the time, as they respond to what Jesus is saying here in verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. That's what the people said of Jesus. He is insane. You want to know the God you serve? People call him insane. He's crazy. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It's the type of God we serve. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? I think there's two action steps for us. There's two action steps. The first is this. For some of us, for some of us, we've got to come back under the, the care of the shepherd. For some of us, we've got to come back under the protection of the shepherd. What does that mean? For some of us, Trust me, I think this is about as hard to say as it is to potentially hear. For some of us, God needs to break our leg this morning. Come on up, Dylan. And listen, I think that's true for some of us in this room, but also as a parent, some of you have probably prayed that prayer for your son or your daughter. Some of you have probably prayed that prayer for your parents, right? I, 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 remember, I remember Allie praying that prayer for you. And I, I, I remember having a, a conversation with a mom who, who came in on a Wednesday night for a prayer meeting about five or six years ago and said, that's it. That's it. I'm going to start praying that God does whatever it takes to get my son's attention and draw him to himself. And for some of you in this room, you may need to pray that prayer for yourself. 
If this is our good shepherd, right? For some of us, we're, we're flirting the line. We're trying to see how far we can get away from the shepherd and, 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 still, and still be close enough to, to follow him and be considered part of the team. And that's not the point, right? The crux of it is, is so that the sheep would be attached to the shepherd so that the sheep could follow the shepherd anywhere it went, anywhere he went. Anywhere the shepherd thought that he needed to go. Not to, not to skirt the line. Not to, we've got to get out of the mentality of how close can we get to the edge before we're too far. Tell me the last time that worked out for somebody. The heart of the good shepherd is that we'd be right here. Shepherd, I can't get enough of you. I want more of you. Lead me. Let me follow you. Let me just be in your presence. Let me just spend some time with you. That's the heart of this passage. And for some of you, for some of you, you've got to come back to the shepherd. And that may mean breaking your leg. That may mean God getting your attention in a big way. And look, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but I'm just saying that's the, that's the heart of the shepherd. You know why? No, we didn't talk about this in the first service, but this is good right here. I believe this is straight from the Spirit right here. You know why? You know why? Because he's a jealous God and he wants you. He wants you. He doesn't want to break your leg to hurt you. He wants to break your leg because he wants you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? He wants you. The shepherd wants you. How do you think about that? Think about that. You want me? He's like, yeah. Yeah. And I'll break your leg if I have to. To get you. A second action item. It's for some of you this morning... We created a, we've, we've talked about it twice. At least it was in my notes twice. I don't know if it, we talked about it more. I love that we create a space, hopefully Sunday after Sunday, where you can come into this place and be kicking the tires of church and be kicking the tires of Jesus, trying this whole thing out. I love that we've created a space and a place where that can happen. But listen to me. Make no mistake about our goal. Make no mistake about our desire for you. Is that if that's you, at some point you leave this place following the shepherd. That at some point you make a decision in your life, whether that's a year, two years, five years down the road, a month, two months, five months down the road, I, that, that part isn't up to me. That's between you and God, right? And, 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 and I have to stay faithful to Him and allow that to happen, right? But our goal, our purpose is that you at some point let go, give up, control, and let, whatever it takes, right? And you start following the shepherd. At some point, our desire is that you would meet Jesus head on and, and give Him your whole life. That's why we do this. And so for some of you this morning, it's following the shepherd for the first time. And saying, you know what, I'm done. 
I'm done. I'm a sheep. And I need a shepherd. I'm a sheep. And I need the good shepherd. So, Thursday, this past week, as I was, um, as I was uh, finishing up the last bit of study for this message Thursday afternoon, I got, I got to the end here, and, and I believe God just kept pressing on me this song. And it's a song that's on Christian radio right now that I probably heard like six or seven times last week. It's almost like God's in control. Almost. And so, as I was finishing up, I said, you know what? I'm just going to see if we can switch up the service order a little bit. I'm going to run down to Dylan's office, see if he can pull this off for Sunday like he had a choice. So I ran down. I said, Dylan, listen, man, there's a song right now. I'm not sure if you've heard it, but I think it would go really great at the end of the message. And the song, the song is called Scars. It's by a group called I Am They. And as I thought about this shepherd, and as I thought about breaking the legs, I thought of this lyric. It actually is the chorus for the song. It says, I'm thankful for the scars. Because without them, I wouldn't know your heart. And I know they'll always tell of who you are, so I'm forever thankful for the scars. And this morning, uh, I asked Dylan to sing the song as we close. And once, we, once he sings it, I'll come back up. But this morning, as he, as he sings, you don't have to stand. Maybe more appropriate for us this morning to kneel. Maybe more appropriate for us to just sit and leave the, read these lyrics. And Because and, 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 for some of us, some of us in this room probably have some broken legs that haven't healed yet. Some of us in this room probably have some scars coming. Some of us in this room might be in the middle of a beating. I don't know. But what I do know from our text today is that He's a good shepherd and He loves you and He cares for you and He wants to protect you and He, want, he wants to shepherd you. And so as you read this morning, would you pray to that good shepherd So God, I thank You that You are a good shepherd. And God, with each and every one of us and maybe the people that You've placed on our hearts and our minds this morning, God, I pray whatever it takes, prayer, to draw us into Your presence, to draw us into a passion to follow You with everything we've got to not leave your side. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.